Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Still Curtain Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Jagai, editor of StillCurtain.com. And joining me as always is Shane Kubis, contributor for Still Curtain. We've got a lot going on in free agency. Shane and I hashed on some of that last week right in the thick of things, like as the frenzy was going on. And so we're going to get to what we didn't get to last time because of the new moves that have taken place. We're going to hand out some free agency grades, talk about the fits of the new players uh, that the Steelers signed this offseason. And we're also going to break down Mike Tomlin and Omar Khan on the Pro Day scouting trail, something I think is very important uh, and, and doesn't yeah. get talked about enough. But uh, we're going to look at some of the potential candidates that could be had for the Steelers in the first round. And then we're going to give our prediction. I think this may be something that we'll do, Shane, every Probably. week leading up to <laughs> just for fun. We'll, we'll throw yeah. our prediction for pick 17 in there at the end as well. So stay with us. Uh, let's get with some uh, trending topics in the NFL first. Real quick, because this just came out like last evening, I think. Yeah. A, a report that said that the 49ers had reached out to Ben Roethlisberger after he had retired from the Steelers about coming on and maybe playing a year with them and trying to win a Super Bowl ring. That's interesting to me. And it feels like, Shane, that, that would be like the one team I feel like, all right, this 40-year-old maybe could have made it work there. Like Shanahan's a genius, that, he's, that he would be protected very well. Um, now I don't know how you do on like those, those big stretch PA rollouts and stuff that way with his mobility and everything, the way it is right now. But I think that he could potentially made it work. What do you make of this situation? I know that Ben said that, uh, he, he, he thought about it for a little bit. His heart really wasn't into that. He wanted to retire as a Pittsburgh Steeler, uh, but that would have been interesting to watch. Yeah. I think that it is interesting because they're pretty much the only team that I think has the infrastructure to allow a player like what Ben was even his last year, let alone a year removed from me from playing to probably mm. do well. Um, I think because they had to deal with Brock Purdy being the starter as great as he played, they didn't really have anything behind him, obviously either because Garoppolo was hurt and Lance was already hurt. They ended up signing Josh Johnson instead for the playoff game, especially, but I think he could have probably done it. I just think that again, he kind of talked about it, like it. He just didn't want to do that whenever he already retired as a Steeler. He put his time in like, it wasn't going to really change. It wasn't like it was going to change perspective on him in any way. Like his, his legacy is already set. Like he didn't have to come out and prove he could still play because no offense. I don't really think he can, at least for most teams anymore, but even if he could, like he just, he doesn't have to do it. So I think he, he made the right decision. I think the Niners made probably the right decision, even if they were interested to just kind of go with a veteran backup who's played more recently, honestly. Yeah. And we're all happy, obviously, to see him retire as a yeah. Pittsburgh Steeler, not yeah. tarnish his legacy. I it really wouldn't do that. I mean, he's still Ben Roethlisberger. Right. He, he yeah, was right. still the franchise quarterback for Pittsburgh. But it's always at least a little bit of a sour taste in your mouth when one of your star players goes and finishes his career elsewhere. Yeah. Um. So Ben is done. He he pretty much confirmed that. Uh, let's talk about Lamar Jackson real quick. It's one of the biggest topics in football so far uh, this offseason. There are rumors that Lamar, Lamar said that he is ready to move on from the Ravens. Now, obviously, if this were to happen, Shane, there's got to be a partner here. And, and what I just don't see at this point, and it sounds like that from the interest, you have to be able to stomach that double gut punch of taking, uh, giving away two first round picks to Baltimore and turning around and paying this guy 
fifty million dollars a year and however much guaranteed he wants. He went with two hundred million dollar range. I don't know if there's a team out there that's willing to do that because it's so much capital in terms of uh, financial investment and draft capital. And so I don't know where he's going to end up playing, but it sounds like he doesn't want to play in Baltimore. I think it's tough for him because obviously the big conversation has been about how much money is it actually going to take for him to sign, right? And I think mm-hmm. if the if the offer he wanted had been given, obviously, by the Ravens, I think he probably would have taken it. I don't think this is a situation where like he just straight up doesn't want to play for the Ravens anymore. He's tired of him. He wants to be gone. I think it's more that because they've dragged it out to this point and they've made it difficult for him, even if, again, we don't know how much of it is on him and how much of it's on them, but – I'm sure in his view, it's been more difficult than he thought it would be more difficult than they probably wanted it to be. And I think maybe the sentiment is, you know, maybe it would be better if we kind of just move on and do something different. And honestly, there are teams that I think would make sense if they could do it to get him because it would make them obviously much better. And even though the money would be crazy, like at the draft capital, it would be a more sure thing than say trying to draft somebody or you know, even the jets. Like I've talked about this mm-hmm. a couple times with other people. Like I understand them trying to go for Rogers because he is, you know, it gives them a short window. They don't have to ha- put a ton into him because a lot of his contracts are already done, but I would be looking maybe more at Lamar than Ro- than Rogers. Cause it opens up more you know long-term possibility of success. But yeah, I get why teams have been hesitant to do it because of the money factor and the draft picks they'd have to give up. But again, like I think a part of this too is Russell Wilson's deal. The whole situation that happened with him, I think, mm-hmm. is kind of soured teams a little bit on trying to make the big, splashy like trade for a quarterback. And I get that to a certain yeah. degree too. But it's just it's tough for him because I think what he should be trying to do at this point is let's hammer out like a three-year, maybe fully or not even maybe fully, but mostly guaranteed contract, like the Kirk Cousins type of contract that he signed with mm-hmm. the Vikings a few years back where it's fully guaranteed pretty much for the most part, but it's only three years. So, you know, the team doesn't isn't hamstrung for very long. He gets to go back in the market in three years. I think that's what he should be trying to get at this point. And I think the Ravens should do that too because, again, it gives them the opportunity to like we have three more years to see if we can figure this out. You can go back to free agency and we'll see what happens then. And everybody kind of gets what they want, so. Yeah, and I wonder how much of that has to do with even Lamar knowing his play style and that his uh, yeah. a lot of his value depends on his legs and his health right and now, so, especially. Yeah, yeah, and so I I don't know. Maybe that's why he's looking for that. I mean, and I, again, we can't blame him because it's what Deshaun Watson got. He wants what yeah. Watson got. He thinks he's a good player. He was yeah. an M- MVP at 22, 23 years old, and so uh, I understand exactly where he's coming from in terms of that. Whether or not he gets that deal. Something else remains to be seen there. And I don't even know where he's going to end up playing. I would have to imagine that he's going to be sticking with Baltimore at least this year. And then we'll see what happens. Seems likely the following year. Um, But yeah, we'll, we'll see if anything else develops with that. All right, Shane, let's take a look at uh, Steelers departing players um, this off season. So far, they lost Cam Sutton. They lost Devin Bush, Robert Spillane and Malik Reed Sutton, obviously the biggest of the group. And I think that was really the only notable loss. Like this guy could, this guy's loss could potentially impact the team in a negative way the other ones i'm like all right they're, they're gone i don't think they offered a whole lot and i'm, and I'm not just trying to, to to say that to because they're gone now i mean i just didn't think so at the time either and so um what do you make of steelers losses so far this offseason obviously it would have been nice not to lose sutton right because his, his contract while it was a little yeah. big for a player that's probably a firmly cb2 at best He's still mm-hmm. a very quality player at a position we don't have a lot of quality players that didn't when he was here, let alone now. I mean, you, you go and get Patrick Peterson, which we'll talk about him a little bit more again later. But I think that that move, not being able to retain him, was definitely not a positive by any means. But 
and we're going to talk about the free moves that did make, I do think we still got better as a team and losing Sutton isn't necessarily going to like destroy the defense or anything like that. The defense is still going to be mm-hmm. based on pressure and, and trying to force turnovers by bad throws and pressure and quarterback. So I'm expecting that not to hurt as bad as it maybe could for some other teams. And then yeah, Bush and Spillane, especially like Malik Reed, we don't even have to talk about him. He bar- he, he might as well not have played for us. And, and no offense to him. Like obviously, you know, 150 times the athlete I'll ever be, but he still was, he didn't do anything for this team. Like it just, it is the way it is. You know, maybe he'll, he'll bounce back with any good dolphins. I think signed him, but Bush and Spillane, like again, mm. Bush just was never the player that we wanted him to be for a combination of things. And then Spillane is kind of who he is. He's a, if you want to call him a starting linebacker in the sense like he can do some things well for you, sure. But he can't be a guy that was getting the snaps he got for us last year. Like just him being off the team, just knowing that he won't soak up a thousand snaps might be the best thing we could have asked for from that position. So. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think all things considered, Shane, the departures are really mild compared to yes, what some other overall. teams go through. I mean, yeah, losing sure. Cam Sutton stings a little bit. He was sure. he, he was the Steelers' co- top cornerback. And in, in NFL standards, I would consider him probably the, the CB2 type yeah, guy exactly, that can play the yeah. slot and do some of those things. A very good football player. Uh, mm-hmm. but I think that was really their only substantial loss. Now, this doesn't count the fact that we could be losing Terrell Edmonds in free agency, yeah. as well as a few others. Yeah. I would love to be able to retain Edmonds at a cheap Me price, too. much like yeah. the Steelers did last year. Save that pick because I'm not a proponent of drafting safeties in the first round unless you are like the minka derwin mm-hmm. caliber of football player well, got those, um, and, sure. and so because it's not a premier position but if you strike gold on a good one they're very valuable to your team and the steelers have been fortunate as, as anybody to do that when it comes to like minka and then palomalu years before that right um let's take a look at the returning players real quick the guys that still are signed back to the roster larry Ogunjobi, demonte casey and just recently james pierre um i, I think that these moves, they covered their bases, at least. Nothing fancy, nothing special here. I'm not a huge fan of the Larry Ogunjobi signing. I, I like that Ogunjobi is returning. I didn't like the, the money that he's returning for. $9.58 million is a lot of money for a player that I thought had a, a pretty unspectacular season last year. Uh, it does uh, give them a little bit of depth along the defensive line next to Cameron Hayward, a guy that can kind of play a couple of different roles on that D-line. Um, but definitely a lot of money devoted to him. The KZ contract is great, though. You get, you get him at what two years for six million three million dollars a year and i'm perfect with that that's a guy who can start he can he can back up he can play dime uh i think that's a great contract for him and then james pierre well we don't have the contract numbers for yet i'm assuming it's real close to just the veteran minimum a guy that's not even guaranteed to be on the final roster as he has been a roster bubble guy each of the first three years in the league what's interesting shane is that even with james pierre coming back and he's like the youngest corner on the Steelers roster. The mean age, if this is their cornerback room right now, the mean age on in the cornerback room entering uh, training camp this year will be 29 years old. They do not have a young player to look forward to on this roster when it comes to the cornerback position. Yeah, so just to start with Ogan Jebby, we'll start with him because he's definitely the biggest one in terms of money, obviously. Mm-hmm. I definitely get not being a huge fan of it just because of how much money it came in at, but I try to look at it based on the market, right? He's yeah. getting you know half of what some of these guys were getting, right? And even some of the guys who are still more like maybe a little bit better players than him or more consistent players over the past years than him, we're still getting $10, 11 $12 million a year. So because looking at it through that lens, I'm not as much of a – 
I don't have as much of a problem with it because you do retain mm-hmm. a player at a position you're very thin at. We hope that they're going to build upon it, either maybe with a late free agent ad, like for not much money or in the draft. So you still have to do that. But resigning him basically makes sure that you have at least two truly capable players, including you know Hayward more than capable and him being a capable player. So try not to give them too much, you know, slack for that. I'll give them a little slack for that one. KZ is really important because again, if you don't retain Edmonds, you have a player who can start for you, right? I like him mm-hmm. to be a third safety because I think he's more valuable in that role because he's again, you have three starting caliber players out there then when you run your three safety packages. But it makes that less of a need if Edmonds doesn't come back. And then Pierre, like you said, he's, I guess, at least younger and he's played snaps for this team. He knows what he's doing it for the, at the very least. I think he played pretty well last year for the most part when asked to. So it's good that he's back because it just gives us a little bit more depth, especially if we're not able to get one of the corners that maybe they're looking to add, which talk about their draft plans a little bit later. But overall, I don't have any problem with what they brought back, especially. Yeah, pretty good for the most part. Like we said, uh, the the loss of Sutton, that was the, really the only one that stung. They brought back some guys who will be key role players for the team yeah. next year, uh, whether we like the money or not. And and you're right, that the money, the market just blew up when it, it came did. to the, the interior, interior defensive, defensive line. line. And so crazy. the Steelers were kind of left without a lot of options. And, yeah. and knowing that Chris Wormley went on, uh, he suffered an ACL injury late in the season. Who knows when he's going to be ready? Right. Maybe the Steelers will bring him back when he does become available. Possibly. Or maybe they'll look for defensive line help really early in the draft, which is a possibility as well, now that they have their bases covered. Um, if you have a question for us, go ahead yes. and drop it in the chat. We'd love to be able to get to it. Uh, we've answered a few questions in the past. We want to keep that chat going. So if you have anything for us, we'll, we'll get it in between breaks here. Uh, Shane, let's shift gears for a second. Steelers free agency. I want to give grades out to the players that are coming in from other teams. And I want to talk about their projected fits. So let's go ahead and start in in kind of like turn order based on when the Steelers sign these guys. We'll start right with Patrick Peterson. This happened a few hours after the Steelers lost Cameron Sutton. We learned that they were signing Patrick Peterson. And I feel like this is one of those moves that would get you really excited if it happened like three years ago. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Peterson, though, is coming off a five interception season. Um, I, I think that he has a, ch- a chance now, a chance to be maybe an upgrade over what Sutton was last year, but Sutton was really good. Uh, and so I think that Peterson's going to be more limited in his role. Obviously, he's not an inside outside cornerback, really. He's going to be limited in terms of what he can do in man coverage. Um, and he, it's worth noting that he turns 33 years old this summer. Uh, studies on cornerback shelf life, it's like 32, 33, and you fall off a cliff. I want to see this guy give the Steelers at least one good year here. What is your grade for Peterson? If you want to go first on these, and then I'll kind of rebound from you. Uh, what is your grade on Peterson, and how do you see him fitting in this off or this defense for Steelers? So I'm going to give it a C plus because I think it's a need, obviously, when you lose Sutton. But I would have rather kept Sutton. So I kind of feel like I have to go in the middle there a little bit. I think he's a valuable player still because of his intelligence. And he talked about it. it's like he's not the same athlete. He's not the same man cover guy, but he can still be in the right positions. He can, you know, get in front of guys and make sure that he's blocking off certain routes. Like he'll be able to be a valuable player. I think at least this year. Now, next year, if he's still on the team, that's questionable. But I think the Steelers are trying to kind of strike gold twice with 30-plus-year-old mm-hmm. corners with Joe Hayden and then him. And I think Peterson has it in him to at least make good on that this year. So don't really mind the signing too much. I do think I would have rather gone after maybe younger corner, even one that maybe doesn't have the pedigree that Peterson has or the ball skills, but more of a true cover guy. But at the same time, I'm glad they at least addressed it in some way opposed to just waiting for the draft and hoping they, they can get the guy they want. Yep, I kind of agree there. C plus is my grade uh, for Patrick Peterson too, because 
I, I think that when you look at it compared to the other cornerbacks and, and the market really wasn't as strong, like uh, Sutton was one of the highest contracts that were, were handed out yeah. this year. Even Dean went back to Tampa for a very, very yeah, Jamel Dean. And, and no, the, the tax thing is it's different down there it, with Florida. It, it doesn't so, matter. Yeah. It yeah. Matter. It, it's an extra incentive for him. But the fact that Jamel Dean, a 26 year old corner with legitimate four, three speed, who's played really, really well recently that that guy went for 13 million a year. Sean Murphy bunting, a 25 year old corner also from Tampa Bay has played well, but has been injured. Yeah. Uh, that guy just went for $5 million. And so the fact that the Steelers paid uh pretty good money, we're talking 7, 7 million a year 7 million. for a, a soon to be 33 year old cornerback. Uh, I, I don't love it as much as some of the moves they could have potentially made. Cause yeah. I like to be a little bit more forward thinking when it comes to how are you going to look next year? Not how did you look this past year? And right. I think we project forward. And, and knowing that Peterson is coming to a team that ran the fifth most uh, man coverage in the NFL, yeah, it scares me a little, a little bit. bit. <laughs> yeah, that he could have a dramatic drop from Minnesota to Pittsburgh in just one year's time, uh, considering that he's very near the end of his career. So I hope that's not the case. I hope he gives another good year. Uh, but C-plus for Patrick Peterson for me. Uh, Nate Herbig, big old guy from uh, the Jets, played with the Eagles. Andy Weidel type player. If I've ever seen one 335 pound offensive guard had the sixth best run block win rate among guards in the NFL last year per ESPN analytics. Uh, what do you make of this signing? I, I do like to see that the physicality and the beefiness up front there. Uh, what grade would you give for Herbig? And do you think he's going to be a starter? There's been a lot of debate about whether Herbig's going to be a starter. He's going to be the backup swing interior guy. How do you see him fitting in? Well, first, I got to give it a solid B plus, mostly because I just am glad they're addressing and what I think is going to end up being depth on this offensive line because we saw last year the line played better than we expected, primarily because they were healthy all year. And they didn't have to shuffle guys in and out. They weren't dealing with that. They kind of gelled together. And you saw in later in the season, especially when they faced, admittedly, not as high-quality defenses, but they were getting the run mm -hmm. game going. They're getting pushed in there. Pickett was relatively kept clean. Like, they were playing better than maybe the some the some of their parts were playing better than the individual players. That's how I can kind of describe yeah. it there. That's probably just not going to happen again. Like guys get hurt, they mm -hmm. need to miss time. Like you can't bet on your offensive line from last year being there for a thousand snaps again. You can't. So bring in Herbig, especially at the time. Like obviously there was conversation about, and I'll get into that that maybe he's going to start. Maybe him and Dawson will be competing. And I think that would have been the case, except for something else that happened that we'll talk about a little bit later, another signing. Because of that, and I'll, we'll wait to talk about him until the end here, but I would say he's most likely going to be the primary backup at guard at this point, unless, especially if they keep Dotson, maybe him and the two of them will battle for that spot. But I think he's solidly a good player to have as a backup. He has experience, a left guard, right guard, even a little bit of center, but I don't want a guy like that playing center. So mostly okay with him mm -hmm. just being guard, but just again, a really high quality signing for just a few million dollars a year. So, yeah, Shane, I'm going to give this one an A, and I, I don't hand out high grades very often. I'm pretty usually pretty strict on the Steelers, but the the price is right. I mean, you're getting yeah, a guy yeah, who's played really well in the past. He, he's a mauling run blocker, and he's hard to to move back in the passing game just because yeah, he can anchor so well size, yeah. at his size. So the price is certainly right, whether he becomes uh, that low money starter type or a little bit on the higher end money for a backup. I, I'm okay with it either way because it gives the Steelers depth. They cannot plan on being the healthiest offensive line in the NFL again next year. It was, they're very fortunate to be that uh, in 2022, you don't never know when injuries are going to strike. James Daniels can go down. They could get an injury somewhere where Herbig will have to fill in if he's not a starter. Yeah. And we met, we talked about whether he will be or not. 
I kind of think at this point, because we talked about the, the signing that, that just came most recently for the Steelers, I think that he's probably the primary backup. Yeah. I think this pushes Kevin Dotson down to the, I mean, bottom of the roster. He's probably the last offensive lineman to make the team. And Kendrick Green is off the team at this point. Oh, he, I would yeah. have to assume. Yeah. He, <laughs> so. I mean, it really, and again, we, we said this last week, if we're really being honest with ourselves, if Kendrick Green was not a third-round draft selection he wouldn't have been Steelers, on the team last year, I think he would have been off the team because he just did not play well at training camp uh, or in the preseason. Just just not enough power there. Um, so A for me. And what did you get? What did you give the Herbig So, so, so very right, similar. So, I, I, like, I'd like wait, to hesitate with the A's, but I get why you say that. because I, I get it. He's a Steelers guy, too. You you can tell he he's definitely excited. Absolutely. He's got, he got the right mentality, too. Mm-hmm. And, and the fact that he has worked with Andy Weidel in the yes, past, and he's yes. graded out really well when he was with the Eagles. I feel optimistic about that, that if he does become a starter, you can get a, a quality football player at a, at a very cheap price there. Linebacker Cole Holcomb coming over from the Washington Commanders. Steelers lost all their linebackers. And, and after Holcomb, they ended up losing Miles Jack as well. They brought another linebacker we're going to talk about next. But Cole Holcomb, this is an athletic guy. I mean, this is a guy that can fly around the field. He can hit you. He actually he, he kind of reminds me of what we thought Devin Bush was going to be yeah. coming out. <laughs> that type of player, at least in terms of play style, not elite cover guy, but can move well in space. Uh, not an elite shed tackle guy, but can can kind of slip blocks because of his athletic traits and his speed coming downhill. Um, I'm excited about this one, Shane. So what do you get? What do you got for Holcomb? So I'm going to give it a B plus, and I probably would have given it an A if there wasn't other linebackers that I'm a bigger fan of that were also mm-hmm. signed at a similar price, like David Long Jr., for example, guys like that. But it's still a, a move that had to happen. You had to bring in a guy who could legitimately play three downs because Blaine was that guy last year for whatever reason. You know, I'm glad that's not going to be the case this year, but Holcomb can do that. He can cover well enough. Like he's not an elite cover player. You know, there's really only a couple guys that are really. So kind of a hard bar to clear, but he's capable of coverage. He's very fast. He can, he can make a lot of tackles and really people, they talk about tackles and sometimes they overblow them for a team that you look at the linebackers last year, who were just slow to get to the ball and just did not chase well. Like I don't, even if he's only you know getting tackles cause he's getting a guy three or four yards down the field, that's better than seven or eight. And that's what we were dealing with last year, mm-hmm. right? Like you need to contain the run enough where, you know, maybe he's not going to get a ton of tackles for loss, but he's going to keep guys from breaking 10, 20 yard runs. And that's really important. So overall, really love the signing, just kind of like a couple other players, a little bit better than him for the same amount of money. But again, not going to complain mm-hmm. about a true three down starter at linebacker for us though. Yep. I've also got a B plus for Cole Holcomb. Uh, I think you are for sure getting an upgrade over what you have. And if you look at him, yeah, if we look at him in terms of like the, the past years signings and even trade additions, like uh, miles Jack, I was not a huge fan of. I thought that we really overblown as, as a, as a fan group, that selection because of the name, I did not think he played well at all in Jacksonville before coming to Pittsburgh uh, this, this previous year in 2021, um, the trade for Joe Schobert, uh, Mark Barron, John Bostic, like he's better than all those guys in, in pretty easily to me. Now, the thing is he is coming off a, a season ending foot injury. Yes. And yeah. so, and if not for that, I might've given this one an A because I really liked his yeah. film prior to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if he gets back up to speed, he could kind of be that guy. And I, and I think Shane, he's, I think he's going to end up sliding into that Mac role for Devin Bush. Barring maybe something big in the NFL draft, like a Trenton right. Simpson or whatever, which could right. have him kind of be moving around the place and maybe moving over to like the, the, the buck roll or playing alongside somebody like that in nickel. 
um, instead of being pigeonholed to one role. But I do think it's going to be an upgrade over what the Steelers have. I'm giving it a B plus. I think that Holcomb uh, is going to offer a lot more energy than the Steelers have had at the linebacker position, probably since say Shazier or even like Vince Williams, like tenacity coming mm -hmm. downhill. Speaking of Vince Williams, this next guy reminds me a little bit of him with his play style, at least. And that's a Landon Roberts uh, signed from Miami. Now it's worth noting here. The Steelers signed both Holcomb and Roberts team captains. And so I think Tomlin values that he wants these guys, these high energy guys that, that can really hit you hard in the hole. They both offer that Roberts is not a cover guy. So if you were hoping that that's who Steelers are getting this, that's not his game at all, but he, he is, he can, he's a run and chase guy and he will thump you coming downhill very much like what we saw in, in the very, very early stages of Mark Barron, that type of player, just a much more experienced player than that guy has a lot of starts in the NFL uh, started every game with the Dolphins last year. And I think that, again, you are going to be getting an improvement over Miles Jack in that, who I thought just played way too passive last year. Like he let the play come to him and there was just no splash at all. Like I think Jack is going on three years without a takeaway. And, and so as you're, if you're a linebacker, you need to be involved in some more splash plays. They didn't have that. They'll be getting a little bit more of that uh, with some downhill thumpers. And I think that, that Roberts is going to be that guy. So what do you got, Shane? Yeah, I'm going to give this a B plus too, because I think he fits the role that we needed to have opposite of Holcomb if we don't add to the position, right? Because mm -hmm. at this point, it would likely be Mark Robinson fitting into the buck role, which maybe he's going to beat him out if we don't add to the position. I would like that because he's a, a higher upside player. I think he's got a little bit more burst, a little bit more ability to maybe grow past just the buck role to a certain mm -hmm. degree. But Nick gives you somebody who you know can do that, if nothing else really good special teamer. He was a captain, like you said, like all of the intangible stuff with him is hundred percent there. And then you might be able to get a player who plays, you know, three, four, 500 snaps is that buck roll. If Robinson's not ready, or if we don't draft someone else to kind of do that for us. So I think nothing wrong with mm -hmm. it whatsoever. The money was low as you would expect for a player like this. Just another, this is a Steelers signing, right? Like this is what they do. They, they go and get guys like this. Sometimes it really works out. Other times it's just kind of a man, but I think this one makes a lot of sense at least. Yeah, I've only got a C plus Shane on Roberts, and I'll tell you why. I, I love his physicality coming downhill. I think that will be an improvement for the Steelers this year, and, and that's important. I'm so sick of them getting gashed over the middle by awful linebackers right. that can't cover. <laughs> and, and Roberts yeah. is just not that guy at all. Like after, in my mind, after they had already signed Cole Holcomb. I'm like, all right, get me another well-rounded guy or a coverage specialist, even a guy that can Ideally, be out there yeah. Ideally, on third yeah. downs. E even I don't really care what size you are, just a guy that can go out there and cover from the linebacker position on third downs so that they don't routinely get gashed over the middle of the field for first downs. Uh, because there's nothing more frustrating, I feel like, than that. Getting run on is frustrating. And so this is going to help a lot. I think the collection of these two linebackers is much better than any pairing that yeah. you could have with Bush, Jack, and Spillane, however you want to you think of that. So they still need more here. You still need more talent. You need more youth. Uh, but I'm in, I'm in favor overall of those two moves. I like the Holcomb one a little bit better. I know he's a little right, bit more expensive, sure. but I also, think, I also think that he's the three-down linebacker that doesn't have to come off the field, whereas Roberts can certainly be a liability if you try to leave him on the field all three downs. All right, Shane, one more. And then we're going to get on to Mike Tomlin and Omar Khan, the scouting trail. I'm really excited about that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Isaac, oh, Isaac Suomalo. Yes, I, I always, I always want to mess that name up for a little bit. <laughs> uh, this is a good football player. And I, I feel like he's so under the radar because every other Eagles offensive lineman gets talked about. I mean, Jordan Mailata was really good. He's been good for them for years. Landon Dickerson is coming along. 
uh, Lane Johnson, the pre the most premier right tackle in the NFL. Uh, and then obviously Jason Kelsey, who is future hall of fame center. Nobody talks about Siamalu very much, but he fits in there and he's been an excellent football player over the years. His biggest problem, Shane is staying healthy. Mm -hmm. Uh, but again, this has Andy Weidel written all over it. I, I, and I said this last week on the pod. I'm not convinced right now that Omar Khan is the one making all these signings. <laughs> and Weidel I think he's definitely influencing there. it for sure. He's influencing is, it for sure. For sure. And, and for, Oh, yeah. And, and I think Khan is as well. But Khan has been so busy on the scouting trail with yep. Mike Tomlin, like mm -hmm. day after day. And in and, and Weidel is not with them, which I, I kind of thought that Weidel would be with them because he's that player personnel type guy. He's the guy that's trying to build this roster. But these some of these moves have felt like such Andy Weidel type moves. Like even like like he's got experience seeing Cole Holcomb in the division yeah. that he played in. And so uh, but certainly the offensive line moves with with Herbig, who played with him, um, and Siamalo, who did as well. Siamalo is a good football player. And what do you make of the signing? What grade you got for us? So this is a firm A for me because again, you yeah. get a guy who's legitimately he he's going to be a starter for us, and this is why the Herbig signing. Why I said I don't think he's going to be a starter because you have our best offensive line from last year, James Daniels, assuming he stays healthy, entrenched in his spot, and you have Siamalo is entrenched in his spot. I think he's clearly going to be the starter there day one of mm -hmm. the season, unless something you know happens where he gets hurt or something. And I know he has had a bit of an injury issue in the past. Started all twenty games for the Eagles last year, including playoffs. Got through that season was was a rock for them. Was a really good part of that offensive line. You do wonder a little bit, you know, you remove him from that infrastructure, how good of a player will he be? I still think he's mm -hmm. more than above average starter at this point. And for the money we paid, he I think it's totally fair value for what he's going to bring. And I'm hoping that that combination of that interior players, if Cole can play like he did last year for us at center, that interior trio is going to be very, very difficult to move in the run game or deal with this, this in pass protection. I think mm -hmm. it's going to be very solid for us there. Yeah, I'm giving an, an A as well, just based off his his tape and what we've seen from this guy. Now, yeah. it, it it does deserve to be mentioned one more time. He was sandwiched in between arguably the best center and arguably the best right tackle in football. So that is worth noting for sure. Yes. He might not look as good on the Steelers as he did on the Eagles, but I'm still very confident in his ability. He's a very smart player, a, a sound technician. He plays with good strength. Uh, I just think he's very well balanced. I, I I believe the Steelers will slot him into that left guard spot, what he's played most of his career before shifting over to right guard after the emergence of Landon Dickerson in Philadelphia. Um, and James Daniels is obviously very comfortable at right guard. I flirted mm -hmm. with the idea, and in, in, I know that Daniels was considered a center prospect coming. Yeah, there's of, been talk about Iowa. that. Yeah, there's been talk about it, that. I, I know a lot of people shut that down and say, "Oh, it's too late in his career." Daniels is like a 25 year old guy. I I believe yeah. that if if he want if the Steelers wanted to have him do it, it's a very smart football player, one of the smartest on the team. Uh, he could do it. It's just a matter of how do the Steelers want to do it, and do you want to shift him after he just had a pretty good year at right guard? I mean, uh, didn't hardly allow pressures and anything else. And so I, I think it's uh, tough with that. Just to kind of talk about that real quick, I think that yeah, he could definitely play center. I don't think there's any question about that. He was a center prospect at one point. Has all the movement skills. He's more than big enough, obviously. Center. Mm -hmm. He's, he's going to be actually bigger than a lot of centers would be. But I think unless you're very confident that the combination of him at center with Simalo and Herbig at guard is better than leaving mm -hmm. Cole at center and having James Daniels there. I think you might get a little bit more upside yeah. out of that, but I don't know if I'd want to mess with that considering how good he's been at right mm -hmm. guard the past two years. So like, I think it's better yeah. just to let it sit, but I understand why people would, would think about that for sure. And that's totally understandable. If I had to predict the starting lineup right now, obviously, and that interior 
it's uh, Yamalo at left guard, Mason yep. Cole at center, and James Neal is at right guard. They won't yes. mess with it too much. It is interesting, though, because I do think you get stronger if you essentially swap Cole, shift Daniels over, and then you put Herbig in there. Exactly. Who gives you That's... a lot more mass at that position. Yeah. And I think that I think that Cole is a, is a solid player. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not he trying had to bash Mason Cole. Sure. Yeah. I just think that he is a, a very mid-level starting center, and I don't mm -hmm. think that you're going to get much more than that. He's already in the prime of his career. Um, I think that what you see is what you get with Mason Cole. I don't think he's still the long-term option at that position, but is certainly a serviceable player for now, at least. Um, all right. If you are a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers and you would like to support the Still Curtain podcast, please consider subscribing to the Still Curtain podcast on YouTube. We appreciate all your support. And once again, go ahead and drop a question for us yes, in the if chat you if you have it, one. Yeah. We would love to be able to answer those for you um, and get that interaction going here. Uh Shane, let's talk about breaking down the scouting trail with Mike Tomlin and Omar Khan. Boy, have they been busy. And <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's been a lot. Like since since the beginning of last week, they've gone to a lot of big schools and they've also missed out on some schools. So we're going to talk about the notable schools uh, that Tomlin and Khan were not able to go to because of schedule conflicts. We're going to talk about some of the upcoming pro days, but I want to break down every pro day so far that – Khan and Tomlin have been a part of. We'll look at some of the top prospects and we'll talk about where the Steelers could go from there. So Shane, let's kick it off with Clemson's Pro Day. Uh, this was a big one. Obviously, Clemson's a school that's going to be on the map for, for Steelers pretty much every year. And they've got a lot of top prospects. We're talking Miles Murphy, uh, Brian Brzee, um, Trenton Simpson, a lot of different directions they could potentially go here. And Murphy's a guy that for the most part is projected to go above the Steelers pick in, in I don't know how much they would be interested in edge defender early. What do you make of them being at Clemson's pro day? I don't think it's that surprising because it, it is a big school. Um, but we have to say at the very least, this puts Brian Brzee on the map as early as 17. And if not at 17, definitely if he's falls to 32 um, and then Trenton Simpson as well. And it, it would Trent, would Simpson be a guy that they would consider taking at 17 or is he a guy that's kind of that backup plan? All right. If you fall to pick 32, you are heavily on our radar. I do think the three, there's three players I'm looking at that I think that they would be interested in based on where they might be in the draft and their, their positions in need. Right. I think Murphy, you can kind of slot him out because I think he's either going to go earlier than that, mm -hmm. or they're just not going to be willing to go edge that early, which I think is smart because again, yeah. even though you need more edge depth, taking this player at 17, basically the only reason I would do that is if I have zero hope of, or think that you can sign Alex Highsmith. Right. So I'd rather them not do that. Cause I don't want to see Highsmith go if we can avoid it, but that's not really for right now. So you have Brzee, obviously I think he's the guy that at 17, you'd have to take him at 17. If you want to get him, I don't think he falls all the way out of the first round. He's too talented of a player. I know he's had some injury stuff. He has some personal things, of course, with his sister, which is unfortunate, but mm -hmm. he's, I don't see him falling to 32. So I think he's the guy at 17. You'd be looking at Simpson at 32 is still, again, with a linebacker, who's mostly going to probably be a cover guy. He, he has a lot of things to work on. He has all the tools that you'd want. I'd rather wait to 49 if we're going to go for a linebacker at this point. So I'm not sure if he'd make it all the way there, but if he does, definitely could be an option. But the guy that I'm actually interested to see if they have any interest in would be KJ Henry, their other edge that's coming out here. He's more of like a, a, a day three, maybe early or late day two type of player for me. I think like pick one mm -hmm. around there, he'd be really good edge depth because he would really set a hard edge. He's very good at that. He has enough pass rush to where you wouldn't be too worried about leaving him out there on third down, but he has a little bit tight hips. So he's not got that bend that they really look for. But I think all three of those guys could be guys you're kind of focusing on right now. 
Yeah, I agree with you, Shane. I, I think that would be a good uh, depth addition as well. Um, I think that uh, these guys have to be on the map. I mean, this yes. is a, another box that is checked for Brian Brzee. It's a box yes. that's checked for Trenton Simpson. And I wouldn't rule out a player like Murphy if he were to slip down just because it does seem like the Steelers have interest in the edge defender class. Yes. We're talking about another yeah. guy coming up here soon in an interesting pro day that they chose to go to. Um, but I think that at the very least, I, I think that, of the guys in the potential, if we're talking about pick 17 alone, it's Brzee. That's the guy yes. that is He's most the likely yeah. from this school. Yes. And so, uh, again, I, I've i got mixed opinions on Brzee, and I don't think the tape is great. It's not all there. The flashes are phenomenal. Like He's the guy can that, explode. For sure. Yes. So, But the production does not come close to meeting the threshold that I like to see um, for, for players coming out along the defensive line in college. Uh, he's a guy I'd love to be able to steal at 32. And mm -hmm. I agree with you though. I don't think he's going to be there just because it's relatively thin on the interior defensive line. And he has just those traits that you want six, five and a half, 300 pounds, doesn't have long arms, but very explosive. Um, reminds me a lot of like a Taven Bryan coming out and obviously yeah. Brian's career didn't turn out very well, but same, same like height, weight, arm length, speed, explosion type athlete yeah. who had underwhelming college production. You obviously hope that Breezy has a better career path than that, and he could for sure. Um, very high upside guy. So I think that he's at least on the map for pick 17, and it'll be interesting to see if he also gets the trifecta there. We had the combine uh, visit with him. The Steelers had the pro day visit, and now if he gets the in-house visit, a top, yeah, 30, the top visit, 30 visits, yeah. that's an, all three check marks, and he checks basically everything else they're looking for, right, in the, mm -hmm. the ACC, conference they value, a school they value, and so – uh, definitely on the map there. So a name to watch in the first round for the Steelers and Trenton Simpson. If I'm going to be quite honest, Shane, I, I think he's a good football player. I do not like taking off ball linebackers in the first round. Exactly. I just don't because exactly. I, again, I put this out this question out there last week for, in, for those listening, I'm sorry to be redundant. How many off ball linebackers in the entire NFL right now, would you trade a first round pick for the answer is probably maybe two or three. I mean, yeah. Fred Warner and I, it's, I think if you, could so get, low. if you could get a, uh, a, a clean bill of health from Shaquille Leonard or then yeah, maybe that would Jack help. Leonard. Yes. He'd that, be maybe yeah. the third cause Smith mm -hmm. Roquan Smith, the Ravens, we have to deal with him now. Yeah. And Milano you know, is great right now. Yeah, it's just like, he's not, a, but, yeah, not a first round, but outside of like three, maybe four guys, it's like, no, I'm not trading a first round. And the, no. and the fact that you can say that definitively says that you probably shouldn't be investing this elite of draft capital into that position. Yeah. Get it on day two. Day two is a sweet spot. That's it where is. most of the best linebackers in the NFL come from. That's where Fred Warner came from. That's where Shaquille Leonard came from. And not every guy that you draft on the second or third round is going to be that guy, but that's where I want to draft it. And so yes. if, if he's there for 32, I'm all for it. 49, even better. Simpson even won't better. be there at 49. I don't but think so, one but of the top four between like Henley, Jack Campbell, um, it, Drew Sanders. I'm, I'm a big Drew Sanders fan Me because too. of the upside yeah. there. And he only has that one. Too. Yeah, the one year of experience that the upside is through the roof. So wait until 49, my preference. But I think we have to at least say that Simpson is on the map in the first yeah. round. We can't rule him out because the Steelers gave him that pro day visit uh, with Mike Tomlin and Omar Khan. Next school, shame, Georgia. Very glad they went to this school yeah. for obvious reasons. And I mean, Georgia's that one's like, all right, obviously we knew the Steelers weren't missing this school. This is the best football program in the nation. And, and they're, they're chock full of talent. Uh, Broderick Jones has been my guy from yeah. the beginning mm -hmm. because I, as soon as the first time I watched his, his tape, I'm like, this guy has all the traits to be that premier left tackle. He doesn't have it all together yet in terms of like uh, footwork and technique, 
But man, he, I, I think he's got plenty of play strength. He's got terrific length and mobility. Everything that you look for in that guy and to potentially say that this guy could be there at pick 17, I think that would be their slam dunk pick this year. Um, and he checks the box now that, that Tomlin and Con were there at his pro day. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely the big one for me, right? Because obviously Carter and Smith, I think both Nolan Smith and Jalen Carter are going to be either gone before there, before we get to our pick, or in case of if Smith, if he were to fall a little bit, he's not really the type of edge player that, that mm-hmm. we normally go for, so I don't think he's in play. Jones is definitely the number one guy that you look at and you go, okay, this could be the guy that they could be looking at at 17, especially at the tackle class. Because I think this tackle class is kind of weird for me, and we've talked about it where – I think a lot of the guys, like ideally, if Skronsky had like 33 inch arms, then he'd be a top 10 pick slam dunk at tackle, right? That would be the one. Yeah. Paris Johnson, he's a really quality tackle, but I don't know if he's ever going to be in that like top 10 left tackle conversation, you know, at this point. I think Jones has more upside than him, so that he's kind of why he's my favorite for us at this point. Probably a big reason for you as well. Part of two national championship teams, you know, even if that doesn't mean much to you as a scout, I think it means a lot to NFL teams and to guys like Mike Tomlin. I think they care about stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So definitely. he's definitely the big one there. And then I'm not a big fan of this player, especially where he probably will end up getting drafted. But Keely Ringo is a guy we have to talk about that could be, you know, in that 32 to 49 range. He's had kind of a, a rough oh, yeah. of it. He, his, he's definitely very raw. And that's kind of part of the problem is you don't want him playing for you probably initially. At least not very much, but he does have all the athletic tools. So he would be a guy that'd be fun to maybe coach up and work with, but probably going to be drafted a little too high for me to be comfortable with it. So I just feel like Ringo is going to be a stealer though. <laughs> like he, he, they, they had this kind of like, yeah, like it, it seems yeah. like he's going to, he's going to be that guy. Cause again, now Ringo is a guy that he's got the trifecta already. He's got all three yep. visits. And so it, it just seems like they, they probably love his, his tackling ability, ability to come downhill. I don't love that. I thought his tape took a step backwards last year. Yeah, he's still, um, very he is a very young guy still, and he's very athletic um, in terms of his play speed and, and size and physicality. So definitely a guy that, that could be on their map there um, on day two. I just, I, I'm really hopeful for like Broderick Jones, yeah, if he's yeah. there in the first round and Shane, I'm not even going to rule out. I, I won't rule out Nolan Smith is like a dark horse. I, I like won't real either, dark horse. Can he be very fun? But in yeah. if the Steelers, they might have a, a really good idea already of what High Smith is going to go for, and the money right. they can devote to defense after devoting so much already. And maybe they're thinking, I really like this guy. I like the versatility he offers. I right. love the speed around the edge, and so I won't rule him out. But I do agree with you. I think it's very unlikely they do decide to go that route. Um, but I think Broderick has has got to be right smack dab on their radar. And, and, and if he's sitting there at pick 17, I'd have to imagine he's one of the top two or three guys that they would consider, especially with the interest that Weidel and Khan have already obviously shown in offensive linemen. I mean, this team yeah. reportedly missed out on Orlando Brown uh, and, yeah. and went to Cincinnati in, instead. And so, again, they were looking for that left tackle type player to add to that offense. Um, so definitely on there. And, and Shane – Darnell Washington too. Like if this guy falls to pick 32, that is a conversation you have to have. I mean, he acts like an extra offensive tackle. Essentially. That's how strong he is as like a run block blocker. The Steelers don't currently have Zach Gentry um, on the roster right now. That doesn't mean that they can't sign him back, but just another one to keep an eye on there. Kind of a sneaky, like top of the second round. You have to think about it. If he's at 32, I mean, because when you think about this offense, right, we're trying to, we're going to try to run the football. Now I would like them to open it up more, but I think at least next year with Canada being there, if they want to have a chance of being successful with his scheme, that's got to be with the run game for the most part. That's the one thing that I can confidently say 
that he's at least yeah. an average coordinator at, at calling plays for the run game. I think he can do that. There's really no player you can draft in this draft that isn't an offensive lineman that would better help you run the football mm-hmm. than Darnell Washington. So I think, and plus he has a lot of upside as, as an actual tight end prospect as well, of course. Him and Frymouth together would be pretty disgusting as a tight end, too, <laughs> I can't lie. De- very different yes. players, and that's the key thing, is they aren't the same mm-hmm. guy, right? You're not drafting another yeah. Frymouth-type player. It would free Frymouth up to play maybe more slot reps. You know, Darnell Washington could be the inline tight end, like, it would make sense schematically. I just don't know if he'll be there at 32, obviously. And even if he is, I think maybe mm-hmm. a bigger need would supersede that pick still, though. But Yeah, I, I can definitely see Steelers going with a bigger need because they already have a player like Pat Fryermuth. Right, they might right. value that much later or in free agency even still. Yeah. Um, so I can see that happening as well. It is a great tight end class this yes, year. There's four is. guys that you could argue deserve to go in the first round. And yeah, certainly not four, all yeah. of them will. I think mm-hmm. that... Maybe two will go in the first round and two will fall there to the Steelers pick. We'll have an option of a really premier tight end uh, at that selection. So it, it is a very strong tight end class. Washington, maybe another sneaky player to consider there if he falls out of the first round. And I'm not sure if he should because he's just got such rare traits, yeah, but yeah. Uh, j- just a fun guy to watch. All right, let's move on to Michigan's Pro Day. Tomlin and you know, Omar Khan at Michigan's Pro Day. Uh, for a couple prospects here, not quite as a big of a school as the two for aforementioned schools. Uh, but we have Mozzie Smith, who's like that, that big one technique defensive lineman type guy really would fit well. I think yeah. with what the Steelers are lacking on defense right now, because he can play the zero tech, the nose, the nose tackle position uh, for, for Pittsburgh's defense. And he's not necessarily a guy that you have to take off the field and passing downs. You probably have better options there, but he still has a lot of juice for a 330 plus pounder uh, moves very well. And I think that, He's definitely, Shane, one of those guys where his best football is yet to come. We didn't Mm -hmm. see the best of him in college. I think that's coming in the future here. Um, Another guy is Mike Morris, a guy that Sewers probably have some level of interest in at least. Kind of a tweener type guy. test very athletic for an edge player, but... Uh, he does remind me like that, a little bit of like that Leal in terms of like his the, the tweener ability. Not I don't think he's flexible it, like Leal is, uh, but he's powerful and he's and he's uh, a guy a guy that you can kind of move around the defensive line. I don't know if the Steelers would get creative enough for that type of player. They might be looking for a more true edge guy, um, but that's just another guy to throw out there as well for Michigan. Yeah, I think that the the number one guy I would look at is definitely Smith, just because he's the type of player that we need to add to our defensive line. There's other players in this class, obviously, and there's a couple that I like more than him, but he's definitely in, in contention for that type of mm-hmm. player that would be looking at. I look at, you know, like you said, Mike Morris, I think if he plays inside, I think he's has a better chance of succeeding in the NFL. So you could look at him as an interior player too for us. But ultimately, there's a player too that I, I've kind of I went and looked at him a little bit more once he ran his forty the way he did. DJ Turner, the corner for Michigan. I'm not sure how highly he's going to be drafted because there's so many other corners yeah. in this class. But if he slips down into like 49, you know, even I don't think 80 is probably too mm-hmm. far. But if you slip like that, could be if we don't address corner early. He's a player that has shown that he can handle playing outside a little bit, even at his size. But I think he's profiles more as a slot. He can get up in people's face. He's very f- aggressive for a player his his size as well. And he, he's a freak. He is. He's an unbelievable mm-hmm. athlete. And having a guy like that at slot is very different than we've had the past few years. And I think that'd be a very welcome addition. Maybe you target an outside guy next year. Then maybe you hold off on looking at outside. But I wouldn't rule him out either. Kind of later with our you know, pick forty nine ish, or maybe later. So. 
Yeah, and it just so happens that Steelers are desperate for a, a guy that can play the slot yeah. right now. Right now, yeah. I, what they have on the roster, it's like Arthur Mallette. That's, that's it. And it, I'm not, slot I don't think that's yeah, a guy. Least. Yeah, he, he shouldn't be guaranteed to make the team, no, let alone no, be no, pigeonholed no, no. to being that that starter for them there. So they have to find somebody there. So I agree with you. I think that Turner would be a great fit, a blazing guy too. And, and so definitely offers a lot for them there. And he could probably play a, a pretty substantial role he pretty could. early on in yeah. his career. Especially so if he's another slot, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Definitely another name to keep an eye on there in terms of first round prospects. Really, only Mozzie Smith. That's uh, the big, the big defensive tackle there. And I don't like him as much as some of the guys that have come out in recent years. Like he's not to me on the Dexter Lawrence level uh, or the Derek Brown level. I think he's just past those guys because the the, again the the statistical thresholds are just aren't there at all. Um, But you can see some of the upside with him. So it's he's kind of a projection type player. Um, that I think will be a better NFL player than he was in college. All right, let's move on to Iowa. Big school here yes. for the Steelers. Obviously, uh, Iowa is known for their offensive line play and their defense, and they happen to have a, a good defense right now with some premier prospects. Uh, Lucas Van Ness is the biggest of all of them. Obviously, he's been linked to the Steelers in the past. Uh, I'm, a ben, I'm a Van Ness fan, fan. I just think that those type of players – that that play the way he does are hard to come by. And I don't necessarily think that he's the guy that should be pigeonholed to being an edge defender in the NFL. This guy is incredibly strong. He played defensive tackle at 19, 20 years old for Iowa, and he can really hold his ground at 172, 175 pounds. I, to me, Shane, like Vanessa's like, all right, if this is the guy that I can bulk up to like 185, 190, and he's got these broad shoulders. 290, right? 285, 290. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't want him to think about somebody else. I, don't, I want him to get down here. Yeah, I don't need him to be my wide receiver no, or something no, like no, that. No, no, no. No, 285, 290. Yeah. Uh, I think that he could potentially be that five-tech, four-eye guy, kind <laughs> of like in the mold of, of, of the Cameron Hayward now. He's, he's, he would have to, a little bit of bulking up to do, but my goodness, this guy plays strong. So don't judge a book by its cover. 272 pounds. I don't care. You put on the tape, he does not get moved back, and he can go right through you. So – um, I like his tape a lot. And then Jack Campbell obviously has been linked as much or even more to the Steelers than what Van Ness has uh, because the Steelers have two picks in the second round. Campbell's expected to go somewhere in the second round and the Steelers have, need linebacker help still, even with the, their two additions. So uh, another guy there and then Riley Moss, the the cornerback, uh, we're talking about a, a mid round guy, probably early day three guy. If you want a, a corner, a cornerback with some athletic traits who can place them outside, um, and Sam Laporta, the tight end. So they got talent everywhere. Yeah. All of these guys, I think the Steelers could be interested in, in any of the four of those guys. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see what they do and if they have any of these guys in for visits. The one, the two that I'm obviously focusing on is Van Ness and Campbell. I think that mm-hmm. the problem with Van Ness is not so much whether or not I think he would fit, because I do think, especially if he can add 5, 10, 15 pounds, he could be that in, inside out guy. Because I think you put him, even yeah. if he bulks up to like 280, 285, you can still throw him on the edge and have him just bull rush. Just literally, yeah, literally take the tackle yeah. and put him in the Early lap downs, of quarterback. Yeah. Like you could t- he'll obviously be great at setting the edge at that, at that size if he's going to play the run as well. Uh, I just think he's not going to be there. I I think he, he mm. could go as early as eight. I think. I think. Yeah, I think so too. Consider him. So, I just don't think he'll be there. But obviously, I'm. I wouldn't be surprised if he was there that they would consider him, uh, especially if they think that he can play interior too, because that's a big need. So you'd be looking at kind of filling, kind of two spots reliably to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Which would be fun. Jack Campbell though is the one that I'm looking at. At like pick 49, hopefully in the 32 even, but 49 would be more preferable. Yeah. Him and Holcomb together. 
you wouldn't have to worry much about linebacker for the next three years. Let me put it that way, especially the next three years. He his ability and coverage is is he's not these one of these hyper athletes, right? Because I think that's part of the problem with, with him is you look yep. at guys and you're like, oh well, he he's ran four six, which four six ten years ago, by the way, would be unbelievable mm-hmm. linebacker. So don't I don't want to hear it like, oh, he can't play. No, he he's plenty fast enough. But his instincts and zone and his ability to, to kind of get in with guys like even some of the bigger tight ends. He is he has the size to cover those types of players, which is something that we really don't have at linebacker. Holcomb's not a small guy necessarily, but he's not a big guy like Campbell is. He would be able to cover different types of players than I think our linebackers have been yeah. able to cover for the past few years. So him and Holcomb together, even though two linebackers is pretty much the only linebackers you ever want on the field anymore, those two being the two linebackers. I can you can sign me up for that one. So I think those are the two I'm looking at for the, for the most. Mm-hmm. I, I would agree with you too. I think those are the ones that are going to be heavily on their radar. And like you said, Vanessa probably unlikely to be there. I mean, it, the guy when you're six five, two seventy two, and you run a, a four five. I mean, he, and, and I just think someone's going to take a shot. Like, how much separates him, Shane, from like Trayvon Walker, who was the number one overall pick in the draft last year? I didn't think <sighs> Walker's film was great at Georgia. I really don't. And, and, and so I think that Walker's a better version of that guy, but. Somebody's going to gamble. It's on those really traits. just for me. I think is probably natural bend. I think it's the one question yeah. that you have with Venice is is he bendy enough to be like a full? Yeah, and he's not super bendy. Yeah, yeah. Edge, but like so that's probably what would separate Walker and him. Like Walker also had a little bit more freakishness, obviously, because I mean he's mm-hmm. number one pick last year. A lot of yeah. it was his intangibles and his his tools, but those types of players get drafted high because they have more perceived upside. It yeah. doesn't always work out, obviously, and we'll see if it does with Walker, mm-hmm. but. It doesn't change the fact that teams in the top ten are probably looking at Van Ness a little bit more favorably than, than maybe they would have if he didn't run all that and he didn't look and test the way that he did. So, yeah, I agree. I think there's a, definitely a better chance than not that he's gone. It brings up a conversation though. Like if you have Van Ness sitting there, you got say a Broderick Jones. It's like, what do you do at this point? <laughs> right. You go with the need. You go with the the value. And I think that both would be considered good value at that point. Yeah, at that just, point, yeah. It, it would make for an interesting uh, dynamic there for sure. if, if a scenario played out like that. When it comes to Jack Campbell, I agree with your assessment on him. If you are looking for like that splash linebacker, like run all over sideline to sideline, that's really not his game. This, Jack Campbell plays like a eight or nine year vet out there, yes. and, which is a good but thing. But in a good way, yeah, in a good way. <laughs> he's, he's very yeah. smart. He's in great position. He, he can drop back in zone very well, graded out very well in coverage. I don't think the coverage skills, Shane, are going to translate as well. Uh, to the NFL just because when you when you bump from Big Ten speed up to NFL speed, uh, that's a big jump there still too. And so I think that uh, he's still going to st- struggle in like man coverage situations. But I think there's a, yeah. a ton you can ask him to do and do at a pretty high level. I, I agree with you. I love the pick at, at 49. At 32, I'm probably going to like better options there, but I wouldn't be I, w- I wouldn't be too opposed to it. I think that right. he would still, still be a good player value getting there. at 32. So yeah, for sure. So definitely on the map. Uh, let's shift over now, right? The day after Iowa, the Steelers stayed right in, in the Cyclone state. They went to Iowa state. This is an interesting decision, Shane, because there were some other pro days going on, including USC's pro day, Jordan Addison. Uh, they decided to, to stay where they were essentially and go and watch Iowa state. And I feel like what's interesting there is they do not have a lot of premier prospects at all. They've got some of the late round guys, some guys that'll fall out of the draft, but they do have one and that's Will McDonald. Uh, and Will McDonald is an edge defender. He is a lanky, uh, a long lanky uh, edge defender with incredible bend. And he's had some really good seasons of college production. I think that he's a really good football player. Now he is 
about to turn 24 years old. So that's something to be considered. And it's not from a, a school that the Steelers would typically target. So yeah. just interesting that they were there. And it, is, it might have been one of those situations where, well, I'm here anyway. Let's just stay for this pro day instead of packing up and going to the West Coast. I don't know what to read into it or how heavily to. Uh, but Will McDonald is a good football player that could be in that range where the Steelers are picking. I've seen him go as, as high as the top 10. It's it's weird because, again, he's a player that I think has a very particular skill set, right? Mm-hmm. He is a true hair on fire come off the edge with speed and bend and just wrap around and get the quarterback. And that's obviously, that's what the name of the game is with pass rush and quarterback. Obviously there's different ways to do it. There's different styles of doing it, but he does that particular thing about as well as anybody in the draft, that specific, just Mm -hmm. around the corner, bend the edge and, and, and come inside and take care of the quarterback. I don't know how high he's going to go. And I think that's kind of the question at this point. He is an older prospect. He was in a weird system at Iowa State that was really successful, but he played a lot of like four yeah. I. He was kind of using different yeah. ways. He didn't get a lot of true pass rush sets, but when he did, he just unbelievable production on a person at basis when he did get a true pass rush. So you think, you know, just looking at that, that he has obviously all the skill sets that you need to do that. If if he's going to be a top 10 pick, obviously I think that's a little bit too rich. I think if he falls to the teens. I don't think that he'd be the guy to want to take necessarily with our spot. Cause again, I just don't think he's, he brought, I don't know if he'll be a full-time player, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like I think he's more of that. You can play him first and second down to a certain degree. And he's, and he got used to playing the run more because of their system, but he's really a third down pass rusher is what I'd love him to be early on and maybe period, honestly. So. Yeah, I love uh, his length. Now, the, the weight is not good, and I think that he's going to struggle with some power at times. That's but, man, almost, almost yeah. 35-inch arms, and he yeah, is so bendy. Like, he, yeah. he really reminds me. I can't think of a better comparison in terms of, like, play style and the way they win than, like, Randy Gregory coming out of school. Yeah, like, he's that a lot type of the of, same like, ways. Yes, he's, the, the yeah. thin but, but really, really lengthy and bendy players. So he would definitely offer some intrigue there if the Steelers weren't able to keep Highsmith around. Just something to consider. I think that that's mm-hmm. like a – I don't think that – He's going to be heavily considered among the other candidates the Steelers will probably have this year. Probably. Uh, but he does check a box with the pro day visit now from, from Tomlin and Khan. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, today, Shane, we'll, we'll wrap up with today's, and then we'll just t- hit a few things real quickly here before we sign off. Uh, Steelers at Ohio State, as we're recording this podcast on Wednesday. Um, Ohio State. Again, just feels like Georgia to me, a school that they needed to be to. Uh, surprisingly, there were two NFL teams that didn't have representatives there. I think that that is just sheer neglect. Like, yeah, for a team that has other that, or they're just it. like, we know we're we're good. Yeah, we know who's good. I know <laughs> that that could have been the case too. Uh, worth yeah. noting, Shane. Yeah, some big and awesome offensive line prospects here with yeah. Paris Johnson. Uh, the, the tackle opposite of him and Daywan Jones, and then uh, you've got Whipler at center. Mm-hmm. So it, the Steelers had the Tony Pauline of pro football network confirmed that the Steelers had a pro day dinner meeting with those three guys, uh, plus, uh, edge defender, Zach Harrison. So very interesting. Obviously they've expressed a lot of interest in the offensive line throughout free agency and the pre-draft process. I think that's going to continue all the way up into the draft, man. If Paris Johnson was there at pick 17, I think, I mean, if he can make it to 17, I, as much as I like Jones upside, Johnson does pretty much give you a day one starting left tackle. If you can plug him mm-hmm. in, yeah. Dan Moore can be the swing tackle, which is kind of what I know that both of us want to see happen um, in some shape or form. 
I think if you were to take a Broderick Jones instead, he probably still beats more out, but he's probably not going to perform quite to the level that Johnson would as rookie. Mm-hmm. So it, it's really t- you pick your poison there. Do you take the guy who still has upside to grow, but is more of a true starter now, and maybe he becomes a little bit more than that later on, or do you take Jones, like whatever that may be, especially if they have the option, which I doubt they're going to have both of them on the board. But if Johnson fell, no problems there. Definitely run that card in. Don't have a problem with that. Um, I think that the other guy too, like Dewan Jones is the one at 32 that I think if he's there, he would be a player. I'd definitely be very interested in because of the fact that mm-hmm. you have a good baseline with him as his size, right? He's in that Trent Brown, like Orlando Brown jr. Mm-hmm. Like he's in that mold. But I think especially compared to like um, some of the other guys, like Daniel Falale that came out, that yeah. the Ravens have like, he's a better athlete than some of those guys mm-hmm. at his size. And he's shown a lot in college to prove that he can handle pass rushing and, everything else like that. He's just such a mountain to literally climb just to get to the quarterback. That he almost has like a baseline level of pass protection. That's just built into his size. Like it's, it's kind of funny to say that, Yeah, but it's true. Like he's going to be, I think at minimum, a average pass protector solely just because of how long it takes to get around the guy. Like if you're, cause you're not going to go through him. You're just not, like, there's no way there's maybe three guys in the NFL. I think day one who could probably actually push him back on mm-hmm. his back. And those are just special players. So it's just hard to kind of get around him, but also you get an upgrade at right tackle, even though in a core four, I think he's the better tackle, obviously, but it's not so much that I'm going to be upset if maybe he goes to the bench or if he can switch over to left tackle again. But he would be a guy too. Both of those tackles are really interesting. And then I don't think anything about Smith and Jigba. I don't think they would take him high enough at this point where he would go at 17. Now, I don't think he makes it to 32 either. But he had a good day too. I did see he ran the forty in about four five three, which is what you expect from him. So he kind of checked that box at least. So yeah, and I, I I do okay. So Ohio State Pro Day times and Pro Day times in general, yes. I do like to tack on like the six one hundreds because I want to see you run on a level playing field with right, everybody. That's course, my preference. But, and and yeah. I think if you do that, you're looking at like a guy that's like a more of a four five nine guy. I think that matches the tape. Like, right. And that's fine, but you you expect that though. Like it doesn't change. Yeah, you expect it. You, he, he's not a burner. He he is a laterally quick, great route running receiver. Yeah. Yeah. And I, again, I mean, Steelers were there. So technically he checks that box. We can't rule him out at pick 17. Although I personally think that's a little bit rich. I don't like this yeah. wide receiver class this year. Um, he's a late twenties I mean, type of that's prospect. kind of what I'm thinking too. Da- uh, uh, Paris Johnson is the guy again, like, yeah. like Broderick would be the slam dunk pick there for the Steelers at pick 17. I don't know if he falls again, it, maybe there's a chance. One of them does. It's very unlikely that both are there. I would have right, to I think say, one of them is likely yeah, the offensive tackle yeah. needs. And I think in order to get that Shane, somebody would also probably have to take or, or value Peter Skaronsky higher than one of these guys as right, well. As an interior player or an outside player, whichever, however you, however that team values mm-hmm. him. So I think he still ha- is, I would still favor him to be the first offensive lineman selected, especially if one of those teams thinks he can play tackle, right? If they think he can play yeah. tackle, even if he, they don't think he can, yeah. they might take him just because they he, think they, he, he could, could if he needed to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then I feel, I feel like day one is a strong candidate yes, at 32. Yes, like yes, if they yes. miss out on, cause I think there could, could be a wave of them. I could, I think like Skaronsky, Broderick, Paris Johnson, and even Darnell Wright could be yes. gone. I think that he could be that guy sitting Anton there. Like Harrison's maybe. in that group too, yes. maybe as well. So like all those guys mm-hmm. could, there could be a, a period where there's like 15 picks and six, five of them are tackles. Yeah. That's very possible in this draft. So it's yeah, it's hard to gauge who's going to be at, at what spots. And it could fall in a way where like you are saying, mm-hmm. if 17 isn't the tackle spot, 32 might not even be the tackle spot, depending on how it goes. So like, it's probably got to be one of those two picks if you want to come out with a tackle, but 
it's feeling more and more to me like 32 might be that spot and not 17, even though I kind of wish it was 17. So, oh, you're uh, muted still. So, you know, oh, sorry. I, th- I think that's definitely a possibility as well. Um, we're going to sign off for today here a little bit early. Thank you for joining us today on the still curtain podcast. You can follow Shane on Twitter at Shane Kubish. You can follow me on Twitter at Tommy Jagai. You can download the still curtain podcast, wherever you get your podcasts and also check us out on YouTube. Thanks for listening to the still curtain podcast. Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, Buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike.